GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. On Gibraltar today, we look ahead to the Harley-Davidson rally with Guillermo Mauro and Rafael Gonzalez. We also had the latest update from the oil spill and its effects at Roja Bay with our reporter Jonathan Sacramento and the cycle lane network resurfacing roads and reviewing the bus service. We had an in-depth talk with Minister Paul Balban. Our next guest is hoping to make Gibraltar a better, safer, greener, child-friendly city. That's what the Minister for Transport is aiming for. Paul Baban is in the studio. Welcome to Gibraltar today. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So you recently highlighted plans in your budget to expand the cycle lane. So why don't we start there? The cycle lane network and resurfacing roads, reviewing the bus service. Let's start with the cycle lane and how that's going. It's going very well, not as fast as I would like to see it move, but it's moving. We finished um, Bayside Road and that's been very successful. We've seen to date over 120,000, you know, users. So not not individual people, but, you know, trips, if you like. Um, so it's taking a lot of traffic off the roads, you know, e-scooters and bicycles off the roads. And and that can only be good because that segregation means that cars can enjoy their, their bit of the road. And, you know, bicycles and e-scooters can enjoy the safety of the bicycle lane. Now we're engaged in the next phase, which is the area outside Portland House. And that's going to be... a I think a nicer, even a nicer area, because we are creating planters and green areas. And um, there'll be a, there'll be a bench at least, or two benches. Um, there'll be um, you know, there'll be a double bicycle lane, so bi-directional um, bicycle lane. And really, it's an area where I'm hoping people will be able to to walk through. The pavements are going to be everything's going to be beautified, and hopefully, people will want to spend time there, which is the whole point of of, of creating these spaces. We removed a few parking spaces which are close to. Um, the actual building marina court and you know i think initially obviously obviously there was a bit of you know people weren't weren't, weren't um, entirely happy but i think once the product is there it's going to be excellent and our aim really as a first phase is to get the bicycling all the way to Bayside and Westside School, so that at least children that live anywhere in the Eastern Beach area can potentially be able to cycle to school and back without having to engage um, or, or you can get close to traffic. The other section of Bicycle Lane, which is one which people haven't realised yet, is the one outside the new um, Bishop Fitzgerald and Governor's Meadow School. So, in fact, they're ready to start painting it. And that's just a short section of bicycle lane that runs in front of, of the school. And what's interesting about this one is that there'll be a, first of, it, of its kind in Gibraltar, a traffic light system for bicycles. So as cars are stopped waiting for the green light, the bicycles can continue on their merry way until the pedestrian light goes green, whereby then the bicycle has to stop. So, um it's just sections and the aim will be eventually to join all the gaps and join all these sections to create one network because without a network, we don't really have a real um, bicycle um, bicycle infrastructure. Otherwise, they just sort of stretches independently and they don't really get people out. Because remember, the whole point of this is to give people the option, those that want to cycle, especially children, you know, can do so and safely. And I think that's what most people have said. We don't cycle because we're scared of the roads. Scared of the roads and also the um, the closeness of our roads. And we have such narrow roads, Gibraltar is very small. How much of a challenge is it to design a network like this in such a small place? It's been extremely challenging. I've got a great team of people. Um, I've been myself on the ground. Remember, as a cyclist, I can see things firsthand. I'm not an engineer by profession, but I go to conferences. I try to learn. I network with a lot of professionals in, in, in this field. Um, and it is a challenge because the, 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 the space is there. It's hidden. But what we try to do is to try to create this 
this space without trying to blitz an area. So we try to respect that there's parking space there. I mean, invariably, there's some parking space that needs to go, like Bayside Road, a lot of parking space. I imagine that never goes lost. down well, the removal it of parking does, spaces. No, but remember that that parking would have gone anyway because there's construction of the stadium there, there's development in the area. So that parking really was going to go over time. It's just I've just taken it on the neck myself and, and decided that it'd be me that took it away, you know. Um, but, you know, that that is what happens. I mean, but I think eventually over time, you know, people will realize that it's good because this is not just cycling infrastructure, it's pedestrian infrastructure as well. And I think people, we can walk to many places. Not every trip can be can be by foot. If you're going to shopping, obviously not. If you want to take an elderly re- relative, obviously not. But this is what we try to do. But our roads... I mean, the upper town will be very, very complicated. I have my plans for the upper town. I think there are solutions. There are solutions to everything. Um, and we have to strike that happy balance. And there are solutions that I don't think will hurt um, as long as people understand the reasoning for them. So, Can you divulge any of those plans for the upper town? Well, they're not plans as yet. They're, plans in, they're my ideas of, of what I think would, would work um, up there. But for example, we, as a, a rough idea, we, we wanted originally to to build some garage spaces up there we want to create two park two garages which because of of times we haven't been able to do it because the, it wasn't felt appropriate because of covid and and brexit and we had to channel those funds to more important things but that was on a manifesto um, and the idea was that if we create a thousand parking spaces in the upper town they were i would say for example let's just imagine for a moment that we've created 500 spaces in the upper town not a thousand and then move 500 spaces from the road into these parking spaces. So you've still got a gain in parking space, but you've created areas where, because at the moment, children and parents with children and prams are having to, you know, move in and out of, of, of parked cars. So they're leapfrogging in between parked cars every time a car comes. And of course, that is not um, conducive to walking or, or wanting to, to, you know, to, to use other modes of transport. And I, this is just an idea. It's not something which, um, and that would, I think that would work. And remember, when cars are parked one in front of the other, you know, even even ten cars in a row is a lot of cars. There's a lot of space that you that you create, and if you add, you know, some benches, some green areas, and the upper town is beautiful. I mean, the upper town. You, we go on to places. People come back and you look at their photos on on online uh, of these little quaint, you know, areas where they have plants and little shops and interests. And we have a beautiful road to the lines. I know it's in, it's it's still in in a, in a very in a state which needs, but road to the lines has a potential. You know, where you go to Villefranche and these little restaurants down the steps. I know it's a bit, you know, maybe a bit too, you know, enthusiastic of me, but there is a lot of potential for you both in that respect. Definitely, the upper town is beautiful. It's a, it's a hidden gem for sure and, and something that maybe perhaps people don't explore as much as they could because of the accessibility to mm-hmm. it. And a lot of work, like you said, is being done for the cycle lanes, encouraging a more sustainable mode of, of transport. What about for the people who can't either cycle or walk, those in our community who are either disabled, uh, people who might have uh, prams and buggies and families? Uh, what's being done to improve uh, their quality of life when it comes to transport, like, for example, with, with the bus system? Well, the bus system, because of the size of our of our fleet and the bus themselves, we have every bus has a specific area for a for a pram or a wheelchair. The problem arises when we have one of each, um, and that's where the issues happen because we don't have space for one of each. So then it's a question of priority. But the bus drivers aren't allowed to say, "Okay, I choose you 
as opposed to, you know, I choose a person in a wheelchair as opposed to a mum with two children and a whole lot of shopping. So there are issues and I think we have to be very realistic Would on more our more regular buses help? Yeah. Uh, we actually had well, a comment in from Sandra and she said that she's a young mum who uses a pram and she said that she would use public transport far more if the buses were more often and more regular. She says, uh, to please improve and prioritise public transport for those of us who can't cycle or walk. She points out that other cities she's been to have buses stopping mm-hmm. every five minutes. Why can't we have something similar to that. And I agree completely and I think it's a vital part of any city. The public transport system is what really gets people, it's a real alternative to the car um, and it's comfortable. The problem that we have is our size. I mean, we have. it would mean having to buy an awful lot more buses. We need to employ a lot more drivers for a service which is free um, to users. Um, I think we, my view is that well, my, my plan is to review the bus service completely to see whether it is meaningful today because remember the bus routes were designed many years ago when we didn't have you know the new estates coming up now we've seen a lot more people requiring buses from the eastern beach area from beachview terrace and especially now with the new estates there and this it's time now we look at our bus service and see what we can do but we created this bus tracker. The bus tracker actually allows puts the bus on your phone, your 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 um, fingertips, because the bus might take 15 minutes. Normally, a bus takes between 15 to 20 minutes. Some routes every half hour. So even though you may need to wait those 20 minutes, you know exactly when it's coming. So the wait really should be minimum because you can plan your your trip. But yes, in an ideal world, I would love to see. I think it's important to see more more routes. I mean, there's some routes which are not catered for. Uh, yes, yeah. Sheila has also been in touch. Uh, let me just check her message. She also mentioned the distance between bus stops. She gave an example. Bus number one goes up to Moorish Castle, last stop in Queensway Quay, next stop Wilson's Ramp, and there's no stop in between. She says it's a very long distance between A to B. Yeah, and, and she's absolutely right. I think, again, it's that fine line between every bus stop means a parking space lost, even two. So in a place where people are struggling with cars, um, if we we would, I mean, it's a great idea to have more bus stops, um, but that would mean a lot of uh, more parking loss. And again, I, I think it's weighing up. This is the problem with but both. parking it's loss, fine. hopefully. I mean, you mentioned the the cost of the buses and the staff, but if that means that people are leaving their cars at home to Absolutely. use the bus, then is that not a cost that might be worth prioritising? Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm all for it. I'm sold. I mean, I'm, I, I'm all sold on and anything that means, you know, moving people efficiently and quickly and, and, and green and, and, and healthily, you know? So, yeah, Yes, it, it would be a thing. But again, if you ask, you know, the person on the ground, um, the person who's going to lose their two parking spaces outside of their house because of that bus stop and multiply that up for an extra five, six bus stops on route, I think it's something which needs to be considered. But I, I totally agree that would be a great idea. Yeah. We've got a few different questions coming in. Eric has been in touch. He says, is there a project to refurbish pavements throughout Gibraltar to encourage and support people with mobility issues to move safely on our roads? Yes, absolutely. That, that is that is incredibly important. Um, we have created a better pavement outside the World Trade Centre. And for people, especially people with, with prams and p- people with wheelchairs, there was a terrible setup outside um, you know, the World Trade Centre. There were some planters in the way. It was on a slope 
and it literally pushed you down the slope. We because of because of the bicycle lane, we moved the planters out, and we created a much wider pedestrian area. So that that is important. Also in Portland House, the pedestrian offering is much much better. There was there were cobbles there. There were areas where where people, you know, in fact, there's some certain areas that where they can even be dangerous. We need to consider wheelchair user user has different requirements, and their wheels will get snagged on on different pavings. So again, this is a slow process, but it, but yes. I agree completely, and as part of the, when we when we launched our active travel strategy, it wasn't a bicycle strategy. It was an active travel. An active travel means anything you do which burns calories. So it is walking, it is cycling, it's using a wheelchair, and even on the bicycle lane. When I see wheelchair users using a bicycle lane, although some people say, "Oh, it's a bicycle lane," it's a, but no, why not? I think it's a, a smooth, um, you know, area, and that they, that can be used. And above all, remember the highway code always says that there is a hierarchy, which means to say, if there is a pedestrian for whatever reason on the cycle lane, just for a, for a short moment, you obviously don't want pedestrians really on a bicycle lane because it's, it's a it's a conflict. Um, but if they need to, if a wheelchair needs to use a bicycle, why not? And I think people should respect that. And I think that is, you know, extremely important. So I think it's about sharing. It's about learning how to live with each other. I think it's, it's respect. I think we need to respect each other. And I think that is the core principles that, I have always wanted to um, to bring forward. No, this is the work I think, I hope I'm doing. On another subject, the resurfacing of roads programme. Um, the next phase, when will that begin and which areas will be targeted? Well, the road surfacing programme is already alive. It's happening. We finished the, the area outside King's Bastion. Um, I think we finished, I haven't been there in the past few days, I think we finished the area outside the Cliftons. Um, and, you know, on my manifesto, I laid out the areas that were, were being tackled. What we have, I wish we could, res- we could resurface the whole of Gibraltar because, I mean, there's many places which... Which we, we classify a road. Some some roads are in bad condition, so they are priority at the moment, and we tend to resurface every summer, except for the past two years, and we have got a lot of slack for that because we have seen the deterioration of our roads since 2019, because in fact that's when, that's the last time we really seriously invested in our roads. Um, but, you know, we... We, as we classify, we there will be some roads which are classified yellow, amber, which will be the ones for next year. But they're already showing signs of 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 you know of problems and and disrepair. And we have to remember that a lot of people come, you know, many drivers. I mean, lorries. We have a lot of construction in Gibraltar, so it's inevitable. We we have to expect that if we want to use our roads in the way that we use them there will be wear and tear on, on our roads. And and this is the thing that balance again. And there will be, I think, unfortunately, it never seems to stop construction. I think when you, when you think you've just about built your last thing, then something is demolished and you start again, no? I think that's um, a sentiment most people yeah, can, can sympathise and we all, we all, <laughs> agree with. We all feel that, but that's, that's development. That's if we want, Gibraltar is growing, our population is growing. I think we have to house. Does and, that work against your, your green ethos and wanting to make Gibraltar a more kind of green uh, environment? Well, they say, the greenest building is the one that exists already so ideally if back in those days they didn't know about this I'm hoping that buildings that are built today are built with a foresight or they may be changing its use further on it's happening in many cities for example they build car parking spaces eventually people use their cars less in certain cities and say what do we do this there's two options you knock it down or you actually 
converted into office buildings or or apartments. I mean, the ICC did it recently. They converted a, a layer or floor two of parking into office and I think uh, into apartments. So that is it means you don't knock a building down. So I think we, we that's very important. And we had the recent Aspire conference and um, spoke about that. The only good thing I suppose about building, you know, new uh, developing new areas is that now we can put our foot down and say it needs to have a bicycle lane. It needs to have better pedestrian infrastructure because there are many buildings in Gibraltar and there are many footprints out there which are very are lacking in pedestrian space. And, and I think as we build new buildings, I think we really need to ensure that we give that space back because contractors can cantilever over the pavement above the first floor. In fact, it's something positive because it creates shade. And by creating shade, people will walk more. In fact, even planting trees, when you plant trees, specific trees, trees that will, will provide that shade without going, without the roots going in too deep and interfering with our um, infrastructure. I mean, Dr. Cort uh, Professor Cortez, my, my friend and, and I said, uh, environmental ally, is an expert in this. And we need to provide more shaded avenues, areas. And I think that's one thing as well that detracts people from walking. And new development will do that for us. We'll be able to then, within DPCs, we can, we can actually say what our conditions are and set certain conditions just like we set things like bird and you know swift boxes and and other requirements all really interesting but if we can go back to the road resurfacing because priscilla has been in touch and she says has the minister seen the condition of main street near the convent just before and on the zebra crossing she says that the road is sinking and what is going to happen to the traffic then for the buses and the vans and the cars that use that area I don't know whether you've noticed I mean, that we, already. I haven't noticed already, but we've always traditionally there's, there's always been an area there outside the Mackintosh Hall. There's been a few occasions where the road has actually sunk, um, so um, I, I don't know technically. I don't know the reason for that, but obviously they they very quickly um, repair. I think it's because there are there may be some air pockets and it's because of the infrastructure. Again, I'd need to ask a technical member of staff, but really. The plan is that we need to tackle if that road has, because remember our technical services team, highway section, knows knows all the roads at the back of their hands. So they know exactly which roads are in the worst state and which are, you know, acceptable and which are in good condition. So I'm sure that if if they haven't touched certain sections of the road, it's because they probably think there were there are roads in worse condition that and and that that road will probably take another year. It isn't a priority, yeah. maybe. So, but it, again, mm -hmm. we need, it needs to be assessed. But again, I will now ask based on that mm -hmm. question. Yeah, thank you, Priscilla, them. for flagging that yeah, up. Yeah. We don't have too much time left. Perhaps you can just squeeze in a very quick answer to Frank. No, sorry, this one's from Andrew. He says, could some sort of heavy duty lift be installed somewhere in Casemates area, taking people up to the Moorish Castle area? This will help people and at the same time decrease traffic in the upper town. So just an idea that he's floating. I mean, everything is possible. Um, there are cities where you do find you do find um, these sort of systems. Um, experience tells us we've had problems with with attempts that we've had. For example, the escalator. When I, and I won't. Mm -hmm. you know, I well, it, I don't think I, we've got enough time to I, get into the escalator I now. It, I, I bring we it up. We have to wrap up the show. I bring it up because it's something which people think I, I would avoid. There are problems. These sort of things. Yeah, we it's really been a never-ending saga, hasn't really it? We really need to sort this out. So to build something, it is possible. And it's a question of, of seeing whether it's feasible and whether you know we can do that. Thank you very much, Minister Paul Baban, for speaking to us today on Gibraltar Today. Thank you very much. Have a good afternoon. Thank you very much. Like if you've just returned from Roja Bay, uh, what can you report from there? Okay, so yeah, we popped down to see uh, what was going on, what it was like. Uh, the issue is that <clears throat> that uh, obviously that the 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 guys 
from uh, the Port Authority and the Department of the Environment and Brightside Services, which is the government's contractor for uh, oil spills and cleaning up. Uh, they're, they're down there all the time uh, at, from 8 in the morning till 10 at night uh, cleaning up. Uh, but they're, they're competing against tidal patterns whenever there's a big southwesterly it just brings up the tide and it becomes very difficult to work there. And also what it does is um, it kind of disperses all the oil. It mixes with the water and, you know, when, when oil and water don't mix and it ends up on the surface and it, it kind of like disperses it all. And then it just splashes it back onto those rocks down at Roger Bay. and Kind of like a losing battle. Huh? Yeah, exactly. It just it just brings it all back and spreads it all out again. And, and uh, the I mean, look, it, it's thinning. It, but they'll eventually get there, but it looks like it's going to be there, unfortunately, for a while. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Good afternoon. Hi, thank you for having us. Yeah. Uh, so you have this big event this weekend, but first, how about we find out a little bit more about your, your club itself and what you guys do in the community? Well, the club, obviously, is uh, the Harley-Davidson Club uh, Gibraltar. It's been in existence since uh, 2006, so uh, quite a few years, and this is actually our 18th rally yeah and it's a group of uh, like-minded individuals which obviously have uh, motorbikes in common uh, our main motorbikes are harley davidson as the club name suggests although it's not a prerequisite to actually join the club if anybody wants to join the club yeah um and what do we do well we do a number of things obviously as a group we go out on our own rides uh probably once a week uh, which we've been trying to do for for some time we've been going out uh, every week uh, but we also go to visit other HDC clubs and other motorcycle clubs in the area, and that we do quite often. Every two or three weeks we go out, for example. Uh, recently we went all the way up to La Mancha. We've gone to Portugal. Uh, we have done trips to uh, Morocco, to all the way up to... Uh, we, we, we've done as much as uh, Marrakech, Marrakech, and Marrakech. Magnes, and all those kind of areas, and that we do as, as a group together with our partners as well. Nice. So it's a nice community now that you've got. Oh, very much so, yeah, very much so. How many members do you have? At the moment, we have 25 full, fully patched members. And What uh, does fully patched mean? Fully patched <laughs> means that you've gone through several, uh, the initial stages of, of a guest. Um, by that, we mean that anybody who has interest in the biking world is more than welcome to come to our clubhouse. And what you do, you test the water, you come in, meet, meet with us, and uh, you really get a feel for it and if you do decide that you want to continue well fine fantastic you know then you're proposed as a guest um and then if you like it and everything is fine with that person uh, obviously you are an official candidate and eventually you become a fully patched member which means that you get given the club patch which we we wear quite proudly <laughs> you know um but it's it's a, it's a it's a great environment we it's it's a family kind of thing we we uh, we welcome you know anybody and everybody our families come along our wives our you know our children and it's uh, it's a nice, easy-going sort of like environment. Uh, we, we're very, um, we're very fortunate at the moment that we have formed part of what is the big umbrella of HDC Europe. Um, we have, because of, of of our history with with our with our rallies every year, uh, we have attracted so many people from everywhere in Europe. Um, and uh, basically, we, we are quite quite liked, uh, nicely accepted within that family. So. Um, 
we spoke to we, we, we coincided in one of our of our rallies out from Gibraltar we coincided with the head of HCC Europe and uh, we were talking about you know the possibility of joining HCC Europe not falling under any other sort of like uh, uh, a unit uh, so we are proud to say that HTC Gibraltar, uh, we are acting uh, under our own umbrella, but under the, the bigger sort of direct, under the main uh, uh, um, banner, if you like, of HTC Europe. And um, this is one, one, one achievement when it comes to being part of an HTC group. And that means you do attract um, other riders from across the world. So at the rally this weekend, how many bikes will be expected to see? Well, Where are people travelling from? Well, that is a, a bit of a difficulty uh, in the sense that some people or some groups, they actually confirm their attendance, but the majority actually just turn up on the day. Uh, but we would expect about 1,000 bikes. The maximum wow. we've ever had is 1,600. But we would expect about 1,000. That is with locals as well. Um, as I say, it's not just Harley Davidsons which will be coming. The old type of bikes will be coming. Hence, it's HDC and custom bikes. Uh, so we would expect somewhere mm-hmm. in, the, in that kind of region. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.